We're going to be looking at Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, as Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount. So friends, listen. This is the word of Christ. Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. This is God's Word. So Jesus is summing up his call to his people. If you think that Jesus is a great teacher, then this is what Jesus teaches we are supposed to do with his teachings. Okay, in these verses, Jesus gives us this illustration of building a house. And this illustration is simple enough so that a child can understand this in 30 seconds. You hear it once, you're like, I get it. But this is deep and profound enough so that the most mature of us can spend the rest of our lives applying what Jesus is saying in the different areas of our lives. He says, Jesus says, every life is a house and everyone is building their house. And so to live is to build. And just a real simple way to put it, William Hendrickson said this, every ambition someone cherishes, every thought conceived, every word spoken, and every deed performed is, as it were, a building block. Gradually, the structure of one's life arises. Every thought, every word, every deed is a building block in the house of of your life. And the key question that Jesus asks here is what is your foundation? What is your foundation? You've got two men, both have houses, both are building, both in a storm, different results, and it comes down to the foundation. What are you building your life on? That's the question for us today. And we're going to see really two things today. We're going to see first foundations What are you building your life on? And then second, storms. Why is this important? So what are you building on and why is it important? So first, foundations. What are you building your life on? Jesus says in verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. So what are the words Jesus is talking about? Sermon on the Mount, right? These are the words Jesus is talking about. He's, he's, he's concluding, he's summing up the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And so he's saying, anyone who hears these words of mine, so the Sermon on the Mount, and it's interesting because we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount all year long, right? Starting in January, we began to look at Jesus' words here. And so Jesus says, those who have heard these words and actually do them, And so again, just by way of summary, what is, what are the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount? 
Remember, there are, there are great blessings and there's a great challenge associated with Jesus' words. Incredible blessing. Jesus says, blessed are the people who know they need another chance. Right? Blessed are the people who are sad about the things in their lives that are broken. They mourn over their sin. They mourn over the, the state of our world. Jesus says those people are blessed because they're actually ready for what God is going to do next. Jesus said, blessed are the people who hunger and thirst for God and for his ways. So if you want more of God in your life, Jesus says you are blessed. You will experience his blessings. Jesus says this is the whole purpose of the Bible. The whole purpose of the Bible is for you to know God, to want God and his ways. I mean, these are the blessings. Jesus says to those people, they will receive the kingdom of God. They will be comforted. They will have peace. They will be shown mercy, God's unconditional love. And so there's these amazing blessings, these extravagant, gracious blessings that come from God are part of the words of Jesus. And so to do the words of Jesus means to believe in him, to have a relationship with God. But there's also a challenge. There's a challenge, and it's an interesting challenge. Jesus says the blessings of God are extravagant. They are abundant in your life. And God wants you to live the most fulfilling life you could possibly live. God wants you to be the most satisfied, the most productive, have the greatest purpose, have the best influence on the people around you. I mean, it's stuff that we all want. Right? Jesus says you can have these things if you live by God's blessings. And what they lead you to do is to actually deal with the sin in your life. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you know what? You've heard that murder's wrong. You've heard that adultery's wrong. But what I'm telling you is that God actually wants to set you free even from anger in your heart. God wants to set you free from lust that's in your heart. The stuff that doesn't come out of you necessarily, but, but is thriving within you. Jesus says, God wants you to be free from that too. Jesus challenges us, and he says, you know what? I want you to live righteously, not just in front of other people, not just with your friends, not just on Sunday in church, but I want you to be the same person you are here as you are when you're alone. I want you to know God in a way so that when you're all by yourself, you have a relationship with him. That you pray in secret that you give in secret, that you even fast in secret. This is part of Jesus' words. Jesus says, you know, I want you to have a life where you're not trusting in things that aren't going to satisfy you. I don't want you to be enslaved to money. right? You can't serve God in money, he says. And I want you to trust God so much that you'd be willing to use your money for his purposes. Not hoard it, not amass it, but to be wise with it, to provide for your needs, to celebrate life. These are all things that we've looked at, right? To provide for God and his church. Jesus says, I want you to be so free and so blessed by God that you don't use or abuse other people. You don't judge them. You don't take advantage of them. You don't need to manipulate them, but you're free to serve. And so these are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, anyone who hears these words of mine and does them and does them 
and does them. Anybody who lives their life based on the words of Jesus. Okay? And, 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 and hear me, it's not just, yeah, doing the good things like loving your neighbor as yourself. Like, that's not the sum total of Jesus' words. Right? It starts first and foremost with a relationship with God. It starts with believing and trusting in Jesus as the Savior. Right? And then following Him. Following Him. To do this is to build your life on a rock. It's to have a foundation for your life that cannot be shaken. Having a relationship with Jesus, following Him in your life, is what it means to live on the rock. Now, Jesus says then, there are other people. This is verse 26. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not do them. Right? So this is the opposite. And so to not do the words of Jesus. Right? So this would be having other philosophies of life that aren't consistent with Jesus. Other views, other religions that don't agree. If you have a different view of God than Jesus' view of God. If you have other ideas of how to live, if the foundation of your life, think about it this way, if the foundation of your life is your career, if the foundation of your life is your marriage or your children or a a relationship, if the foundation of your life, if the thing that you live for is to have stuff, these are different foundations that we can have. Jesus says all of that is sand. It's sand. And when you think about it, I mean, in some ways, this makes me ask, like, well, why wouldn't everybody follow him? Come on, it's clear, right? How clear could it be? How much clearer could it be? It's super clear. Do you want to build your house on the rock? You want to build your house? No, I mean, nobody sets out and says, oh, hey, I'm going to build my house on the sand. Right? Nobody would choose to do that. So why doesn't everyone follow Jesus? Well, I think, I mean, first, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, as free as God's blessings are, right? And they are free. You don't earn God's blessings. You don't earn your salvation. You receive it. It is a gift from God based on his sheer grace. God's unmerited, undeserved love. He offers it to the world. You can have it and all of his blessings. And yet, it puts us on a road that is hard. Jesus said, the road is hard and the gate is narrow that leads to life. And so there are a lot of people that read the words of Jesus and they say, you know what, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to have to live that way. I don't want to be forced to live that way. Some people disagree and they say, you know what, no, 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 you guys, uh, this whole Jesus is wrong. Jesus isn't the only rock that you can build your life on. There are other rocks that you can rest on. So there are other people that reject Jesus and don't follow him because they want to do it differently and they think Jesus is wrong. I think the biggest reason, though, the biggest reason for so many people is that where they are today, is it, it just doesn't matter. Like, this isn't a question that they're asking themselves. This isn't something that's difficult. It's not something they're struggling with. So I've got lots of friends who aren't Christians, and just a couple weeks ago I was talking to somebody and sharing the gospel, and, 
And basically what, what he said was, you know, I actually don't need God to live right now. I don't need God to be a good person. You know, I think that sometimes just a lack of attention to this question is what causes people, like, I don't need him. Like, why, why don't, don't push. Like, I don't need God. I mean, I'm not against him. I just don't need what you're offering right now. Things are fine. And I think that's just, the reality is that in some ways that's true, right? Things are fine um, until the storm comes. Until the storm comes. And, and that's what we're going to look at next. Our second point is storms. Storms are why the question about foundations is so important. Jesus talks about storms, floods, rain, wind. These are the trials in our lives. These are the difficulties. This is the suffering that we go through. The losses that we experience. These are the, the feelings of, oh, I hate my life and I don't think it's ever going to get any better. These are the storms that we deal with. And doesn't it feel like it's, it always rains? You know, it's not that the rains might come. No, no, the rains are coming. The rains are coming. It's when the rains come. They do come. And it, I mean, it rains a lot in our lives, doesn't it? I mean, for some of us, it's this torrential downpour. And then sometimes, it's just this really annoying, constant. It's not really hard, but it's enough just to make you wet all the time. Are you with me? You know, speaking of this, like, why is there this false, twisted notion among religious people that you have to have it all together when you show up at church on Sunday? Like, where does that come from? Like, why do we act sometimes as though when it's time to come to church or when we show up on Sunday or we come to community group, like, you've got to have your life together? I mean, think about it. In, in normal life, let's say you leave and it's a clear San Diego sky. The clouds roll in and it pours. And you're going to a friend's house. And you show up and you're soaking wet. Right? You're soaking wet. Do you stand outside your neighbor's front door and wait until you dry off before you knock? No. I mean, you knock on the door. They greet you. You, look kind of, you feel a little bit funny, but you're like, man, it's pouring out there. And I am soaked. Friends, pouring out there. It is pouring out there in your life and in mine. And I'm soaked. I mean, just to reality, I am soaked more often than I'm not. Are you? Let go of the shame of having to admit that. And this, this is our family. These are your brothers and your sisters. If you're soaked, man, just admit it. 
I'm having a hard time. I struggle with security. I wish I was better at my job. You know, I, I've got relationships that I wish weren't the way they are. The rains come. The ra- it's real. And this is a place where you can be real. think our foundation or our, our the storms what the storms do for us is that they expose our foundations for what they really are so I was talking to Mark right before the service um, huge Alabama fan and it's funny because when I saw that Alabama lost yesterday actually the first thing I thought of was oh, Mark Hummer um, and, uh, and Mark just said, yeah, you know, it's interesting because it shows you, like, what are you living for? You know? And, and he's like, and, and knowing that, it, it exposes, like, okay, like a part of my happiness is based on Alabama being undefeated and winning the national championship, right? Um, and so the storms show us, right? They show us what means a lot to us, okay? And, and sometimes, sometimes, what, what means a lot to us is real and should mean a lot to us. When you lose someone, when you see someone with health declining, right, and that affects you, that's right. That's right. You should feel bad. I think if you are an Alabama fan, then you should be upset if Alabama <laughs> loses. It's just the measure, right? The measure to which, you know. Um, but so... It always, I mean, it, it does affect us. It, it should affect us. Um, it always exposes, you know, what we see. And, and just being able to evaluate it is really helpful for us to see, okay, this hurts. Like, this means something to me. Um, and so the storms of life, they, they show us. They show us the foundations of our lives or what they really are. And if you're following Jesus, if you're following Jesus when the storms hit, what you do is you reach out. Typically, you know something is foundational when when life falls apart, you reach for it and grab onto it. Okay? Because that's what we do. The things that are most important to us, the things that are on the foundation of our lives, we reach for them and we grab them. And when you grab hold of Jesus, you grab hold of something that is rock solid. When the storms hit, you grab onto Jesus and he is there. He is there for you. His promises come true in your life when, you, when the storms hit. You find that he is a rock, that his promises are real, that he does show up. His presence is there. And when he doesn't feel like he's there, his people are there. And they're not going to let you down. And so that's what happens. Your house is on the rock. Your love, Jesus' love never fails, so your house your life doesn't fall apart because he's with you in the storms and his promise has become more of the strength of your life. Now, if you're not following Jesus and the storms hit, you reach and you grab hold and what you hold on to comes off and it's in your hands now and you're holding on to sand. 
Well, when you're looking for footing and you grab and you, your hands close and you got sand. And the harder you squeeze the sand, the more of it comes out. Right? And this is what happens to us. Sand cannot hold you. It cannot hold you up. And the reason of this, when we, when we think about how this applies, things in life that aren't Jesus, they, they just, they can't support you. If you don't build your life on the words of Jesus, on having a relationship with Jesus, then we build our lives on these other things. So if you're living for your career, let me say, career is a great thing. God wants you to work. God loves your work. God works. Your work matters to him and God matters to your work. And yet, if you are living for your career, it will not be able to support you in the storms. Your career is not strong enough to hold the weight of your entire life. It it runs off. When the storms hit, your career cannot bear that kind of weight. Because the challenge is with career... If your career is your life, then there are things that are outside of your control that have to go your way for you to be happy. And if they don't, crash. Relationships are good things. But if you need a relationship to be the foundation of your life, you can't, it cannot, relationships cannot hold that much weight. Right? And, and if you've been in a relationship and you've been like this or you know somebody who has, what happens is we're not squeezing the sand, but we're squeezing the other person. Right? And we so much need that person's approval, that person's affirmation, that person's constant, constant, constant. And we just, we squeeze the relationship so tight that they just break free. Right? And we lose it. We lose it. That's what happens. If you have a relationship and you have to have that relationship work out a certain way, then you've got too much control, you have too great a need, and that relationship will end up, you'll smother it. You'll smother it or you'll end up being abusive to the other person. I mean, I know for me, I mean, talk about building your life on a marriage or on, 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 on Jesus' words, if it wasn't for the words of Jesus, if it wasn't for Jesus' call to love and understand, to be faithful when it's hard, my marriage would collapse when the storms hit. But the words of Jesus, when the storms hit our marriage, the words of Jesus are this rock that we stand on and we don't fall. The same thing is true for sex, for money, for approval of others. These things promise the world, but when the storms hit, they cannot support us. You can't put your weight, the weight of your life on them. And there's another way, I think, that we can go wrong on our foundation when it comes to building on the sands. Um, There are times when we'll make something else the foundation, career, relationship, sex, pleasure, whatever it is, material things. Um, I think sometimes, though, we actually, and sometimes we don't know that we do this, but we actually make ourselves the foundation of our lives. Okay? Follow me on this. Um, There are people who really appreciate Jesus. Okay? But don't follow him. 
Like, they're not Christians. Um, most of the people that I know, they don't have anything bad to say about Jesus. Um, it's, some of the, it's some of the way, well, usually they say, oh, I don't have a problem with Jesus, it's his followers that I have a problem with. And I say, oh, man, like, don't you know it? <laughs> like, you don't know the half of it. You know, come, join the family. You could be one of us, and you could be just as bad as the rest of us are when it comes to trying to be good examples that we struggle with. But you're right, we all fail. You're right, the church is full of people who aren't perfect. And if we're talking about egregious examples, then I'll just agree with you and we'll stop talking. But if we're talking about people who are just trying to live by the grace of God, then, I mean, we could get out what you're trying to live on and how well you perform in that. And probably we'll see some parallels here. Probably. Maybe, maybe not. But most of the people that I know who aren't Christians, they'll say, oh yeah, I don't have a problem with Jesus. I love Jesus. I love his teachings. You know, and then when we begin to talk about the teachings of Jesus, um, some of them they agree with, and some of them are like, oh, wait, no, 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 I don't agree with that. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, no, 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 that's, that's, that, that's that intolerant stuff. I'm not, I'm not for that. You know, and so you kind of go down through it, and what ends up happening is people that say that they appreciate Jesus and uh, what actually happens is they already have a sense of what's right and wrong. They have a sense in their own minds and their own philosophy of life of what is good and what's bad. And when Jesus agrees with them, they appreciate Jesus. They would say, oh, Jesus is a great teacher. But when what Jesus says they disagree with, they're like, no, 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 that's not for me. That might be good for you, but it's not for me. You know, and so what ends up happening is that they pick and they choose. Okay, now... What's the effect? Well, so the effect of this is that if you're in that place, and frankly, there are Christians that do the same thing. Oh, I want to follow Jesus. I love him. I love the forgiveness part. I love the part where he died for me. I love the part where he rose from the dead. It's when he tells me what to do that I don't like. It's when he says something that, I mean, come on, like I'm showing up on Sundays. I'm in a group. I'm doing, you know, Jesus, come on, really? I mean, this relationship? Come on, go easy, Right? I mean, it's like, or I don't like what Jesus has to say about that. And so Christians do this too. So just, this is, this is Jesus to all of us. But so what the effect is, though, the effect of all this is that you end up being the sole arbiter of what's right and what's wrong in your life. Okay? You're the one who decides. You decide when Jesus is worth following, when Jesus is not worth following. Okay? And what ultimately that does in this image, what that means is that you are the foundation of your life. Okay? And you have put some of Jesus' words into your philosophy. You've put some other things in your philosophy. I mean, you've built this thing that's all a cart you pick and choose, which, I mean, it's a legitimate thing to do. A lot of people do this, but this is another way to build your life on the sand. Okay? Because here's what happens. Here's what happens. And when the storms hit, when the storms hit, hear me, this is really, really important because I've seen this happen and my heart breaks for people in this situation. But when the storms hit, you're the one who has laid this foundation. You're the one who has decided what your foundation is going to be. And so what happens is it's up to you to deal with the problems that you have in your life. It's up to you to hold your life together, okay? To say it another way, when you are tired, exhausted, when you are depressed, when you are discouraged, the only place that you can go for anything to get better 
is to yourself. Because you're the one who decides what's in and what's not. Does that make sense? Are you you following? Um, People that pick and choose, man, it's great. It's a great philosophy. As long as everything goes great in life, as long as there's nothing that's challenging the foundations of your life, picking and choosing is awesome, right? Because, man, you get to do whatever you want. But when the storms hit, you need a strength that's outside of yourself. Okay, that's the bottom line. When the storms hit, you need strength outside of yourself. And sometimes you reach out to your friends, and they can be a help. But sometimes the storms wash your friends away, and you need something stronger. Right? And what Jesus is saying here is that the only foundation that will last forever is him. He is the only one who is strong enough to weather every storm that is coming your way. Every storm. I mean, Jesus, this is why Jesus said, if you relax any of the least of my words, you will not be a part of my kingdom. He says that in chapter 5, verses 17 to 20. Like, you can't pick and choose. And he doesn't say that because he's being mean. He doesn't say that because he's power hungry. He says that because the only thing that will weather every storm that you're going through and that is coming is a relationship with him. And if you want him, he is King Jesus. I mean, the good news is that he is not only king, he's not only powerful, but he is love. Jesus never tells us anything except what is absolutely best for us. Okay? Everything Jesus says, you can take it to the bank. You can rest on it. When the storms hit, you go to his word and you will find him there. And he'll support you and you'll get through it. And so, in this way, I think because Storms reveal our foundations. They show us what we're building our lives on. In this way, the storms are a gift. Okay, the the storms are a gift. They either tell you that you actually are building your life on the rock and there's confirmation and assurance that you get when you weather a storm. It's not pleasant when you're going through this, but sometimes you're going through a hard time and you're thinking, wow, wow. I'm not undone. Wow, God is with me. Wow, God's word continues, the Bible continues to speak truth into my life, and I find the ground underneath my feet is actually firm. And then other times you find, you know what, I've been living for something, I've been building my life on something that actually, it's falling apart. I can't trust it. And so in this way, our storms can be a gift. Several years ago, um, our family went to the Big Tree State Park in Northern California to see the giant redwoods. And we went during a time, I can't remember the time of the year, but um, it was right on the cusp of winter. And so it was probably like in the 60s here, up there, we were in a place, and it was like in the 40s, so it was cold because it was higher up, 
And when we got to the park, it, well, where we left, where we were staying, it was sunny. And by the time we got to the park, it was snowing. Uh, actually, there was seven feet of snow. It wasn't snowing. There were seven feet, of, seven feet, seven inches. Seven inches of snow. Yeah, all right. Get the story right. Seven inches of snow was on the ground when we got there, but all the roads were clean and all that stuff. And so we thought, hey, this is great. Let's go. Uh, we'll be fine. We weren't prepared for the snow, but we thought it's no big deal. So after an hour and a half of hiking, we were doing this trail around the Redwoods. We were lost. We were lost. And it had started to snow. And the sun was going down. And it was getting cold. And we were serious. I mean, we were on a path. You know, like, so we were, but we had no idea where we were. We didn't know how long the trail was that we were on. We didn't know when it was going to stop. There were other branches. And we also knew that, I mean, they had hiking trails all over the mountains, right? I mean, these are huge. And so we didn't know where we were. We were lost. And so as the father, I was trying to be brave. <laughs> I was trying to act like I had it together. I was trying to make very clear and crisp definitive decisions to instill confidence in my wife and my children. Um, but I was, I was worried. Because I, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, but I was literally thinking, like, this could go wrong. Like, this could get really bad. And so we kept walking, and pretty soon, what we ended up doing was, we ended up turning backwards. Like, we had gone for an hour and a half, and I thought, okay, worst case scenario is that we just literally do a 180 and just go back the way we came, you know? And then, I mean, we're talking about an hour and a half, and I don't know how dark it's going to be, but, like, at least we know that's going to get us back. So that's, that was the plan. So we turned around. And pretty soon, um, Amanda, who was four at the time, this is about six years ago, um, Amanda started to panic. She just broke out into panic. She was crying, and so I picked her up, and I started carrying her, and she just wouldn't stop crying. And I was like, Amanda, what's wrong? And she's like, I'm cold. I was like, Amanda, well, you know, where, where are you cold? I can help. You know, I'm just trying to kind of lift her spirits. Like, are you cold? And your arms, I can warm those up. Is your face cold? I can like, and then put it on your, you know, where are you cold? She's like, everywhere. <laughs> so I take off my sweater and I put it on her, but she just kept crying and sobbing. I mean, for her, there was no reality beyond the storm. There was no reality beyond the storm. Is that how some of you feel? It's hard. It's hard. Well, finally, I saw a trail marker that I recognized. And I knew that we were about a half a mile away from the car. So I just started saying to Amanda, Amanda, we're going to make it. Amanda, we're going to make it. Daddy knows the way home. Daddy knows the way home. The car is just around the corner. And we're going to be there soon. And I just kept telling her that over and over and over again. Daddy knows the way home. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. You can trust me. 
Friends, this is what God says to us when we're suffering. When the storms hit, when the storms hit and life falls apart, Jesus says, if you build your words, you build your life on my words, if you hear my words and you do them, then you are already in my arms. You are already in my arms. And Daddy knows the way home. Daddy knows the way home. We're going to make it. And what's amazing is that if you doubt, if you struggle and you say, but I don't know, but God, what if? But God, how about? And all, like God doesn't shun us when we ask those questions. What he does is he opens up his hands as he's holding us in his arms and he shows us his palms. And in his palms are these holes where they drove the nails. On the cross, Jesus loved us to the uttermost. He gave everything, including his life, so that he could hold you in his arms and let you know that he knows the way home and you are going to make it. This is why we hear his words and we do them. This is why we, we just follow him wherever he leads. It's because he's got us in his nail-scarred hands and he knows the way home. As we close the Sermon on the Mount and we feel the weight of Jesus' call for us to hear his words and to do them, it's a call to discipleship. It's a call to be a follower of Jesus. Um, and so we're going to begin a new series on just what does it mean? How do we follow Jesus? What are the components of following Jesus? And we're going to spend the next three weeks looking at that. And so if you want to know how to follow Jesus, next three weeks we're going to answer that question. If you are a follower of Jesus and you want to go deeper, next three weeks we're going to study and understand and how to follow the one who opens his hands and does this. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we confess. We confess that it's hard, that we are cold, and so many of us, Lord, are soaked. Thank you for this good news. Thank you that the words of yours include your willingness to go to the cross and die for us. You were the one who said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, you were the one who said that you didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give your life a ransom for many.
Jesus, I pray that you would come to us now in the midst of our storms. That you would remind us, those of us who are following you, remind us that you've got us in your arms. And Jesus, for those who don't know you yet, would you show them, would you draw near to them and help them to see you smiling with open arms, ready to embrace them, if they'll confess their sins. Help us all to commit to following you this week, to hearing your words and doing them. We pray this in your name. Amen.